from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by CoachesEdge.coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. I'd like to welcome Lance Campbell. Cross Lex Pioneer basketball back to the Coach's Edge podcast. A couple of things about Coach Campbell. One, if you haven't been listening to the Coach's Edge podcast very long, he is this is his third time on the podcast. I thought it was is only a second time, but he's in three, which means he might have to be getting on the payroll or something. There's not many people that get on here three times on the Coach's Edge podcast, and but for good reason. Back to back undefeated regular seasons, had an AP D two. State Coach of the Year Award, uh, regional championship, district championships under his belt. Uh, He's been Thumb Area Coach of the Year. He's been Region Coach of the Year. And as Coach Campbell can attest, I'm not reading off of anything. These are just random things I know off the top of my head because I'm sure I'm missing even more accomplishments that uh, the Pioneer Basketball and Coach Campbell have accomplished over his coaching tenure. But that's why we're having him back on the podcast. He's a great coach, great guy. And so on this episode, coach, we're digging into three main things as you dig into the preseason, all right, basketball practices around the corner in the state of Michigan. As we touch on pioneer basketball, we talk about some, you know, what makes you guys, you, as far as your defensive concepts, and then we'll talk a little offense as well. So really hitting those three things. So first and foremost, thanks for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. And secondly, tell us a little bit about Pioneer Basketball. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, for the third time, and I enjoy listening to your podcast. Hopefully somebody gets something out of this. And uh, um, Pioneer Basketball. Actually, today I sent a message out to uh, 10 kids that graduated over the last two years. Um, Four last year and six the previous year. And before I was doing this podcast, I was thinking about what what kind of what what is Crosslocks basketball about? What do we embody? What's What are our values? And I sent that message out and um, they gave me some answers. I'm going to read some of them to you. And uh, a lot of them are similar, but um, grit, toughness, detail-oriented, belief in each other, trust in each other, honesty, having a family-like bond, and uh, just valuing what what you do outside of basketball also talking about life and preparation and um of those i think you got to be honest with kids from day one you got to tell them kind of where they fit and and what their roles are going to be and you got to tell them what they need to get better at and and what they do well and and you got to let them know that you care about them and i think we say that every day in practice if not every day at least couple, three times a week. And I think kids are going to work harder for you if they know outside of basketball, you really truly care. And, um, you know, I think we've had 21 or 22 graduating seniors in the five years I've been the head coach. And um, I would hope if you call all of them right now, I think a good portion of them would tell you uh, they got a good relationship with me. I, I send them messages throughout the year. I ask them to do a lot during basketball season. I let, ask them, you know, to, to buy into what we want to do. I ask them to be good community people. Um, 
in um, in March when our season's over. I don't think that I would get the get. Uh, kids are going to talk, right? And when they graduate and say, hey, Coach Campbell, I haven't talked to him in three years or two years. He all that stuff he tells you is is fabricated. It's just because he wants you to do good over that tenure. No, I want to I, I want to be a part of their life as long as they allow me to. I want to watch them grow and I want to watch them have children. And and hopefully, you know, I'm coaching long enough where they can bring some of their kids into the gym and and get to know them and just watch them get married and develop have families. And if they choose not to do that watch them do whatever they do in life and whatever path it takes them. And hopefully, you know, conversation or two that we had during our, during me as a being their coach or after I was their coach, hopefully that, that will go a long way. And so I think just being honest, being structured, being disciplined and letting them know it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to do a lot of things that are fun, but there's going to be days that I'm going to be a complete pain in your butt there's going to be weeks like that but I'm, I'm regardless of what it is one day or a week or a month I'm going to I'm being genuine I'm going to tell you I care about you and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to truly honor that and say that that I'm not, it's not just me me stating it it's me believing in that and and being honest and I think our kids understand that you know they may not have to be the best friends during uh, school or outside of school, but during that hour and a half or two hours every day, we're going to learn how to communicate. We're going to learn how to get along and we're going to learn how to value each other's friendships and trust in each other. And hopefully by doing so, we'll, we'll get to a point where we can have a lot of success. Well, you've definitely done that. As I mentioned in the prelude, you know, nearly go back to back with regional championships last season, obviously the district championships uh, come prior to that and your short time uh, being in the, the head seat at Croslex basketball. I know you've been involved in coaching at basketball for uh, many years prior to that. Um, I mean, you were coaching back when I was playing, right? I mean, so you're, you're involved yeah. some way, shape or form for, for a minute. And um, but you mentioned honesty, you mentioned the care factor, and with that comes some tough conversations. If you're going to truly so, show somebody you care and you're going to be honest uh, with them, that can be tough at times. So how do you how do you go through that with your kids when you might be telling them something that they don't necessarily want to hear or maybe not at that given moment, but they know, you know, we all know this is what is in the best interest of the team as a whole. I think if you're honest and open with them and, and be upfront with them early, um, you know, and roles can change, but if you do all that stuff, I think they're going to, they're going to be more supportive of your decision. But also I think my, my coaching staff, you know, I got three fantastic assistant coaches. I had another one that, that wasn't able to do it last year. Calvin Eslink. I have Bonifacio Della Rosa, Steve Soper and Cameron Mason, and they're all very good at what they do. And they're honest with them too. And I think they're also going to be supportive of what we do. And I'm, you know, when we define roles, I'm not just going to go in there and say, I'm the head coach. You guys aren't. And this kid's going to play 12 minutes a game. No, we, we talk and we communicate. And I think incorporating their vision of what, what it is, they also have those conversations and they have those talks with those kids and then now it's more of a reality, right? It's not just, hey, Coach Campbell doesn't like me. 
it's a reality that, hey, maybe maybe this is the best role for us moving forward because there's four guys in the coaching staff that are saying, saying the same thing. And I'm supposed to be honest. They're supposed to be honest. So not four, all four of us are lying to you. And, you know, there's there's been tough decisions and there's bands that probably wish they would have contributed more. And there's been kids that had a lot of success as freshmen and, and sophomore that didn't translate to be great varsity players. But thankfully, they bought into being great practice players and being great ambassadors to Crosslux basketball. And they allowed us to to become better every day in practice by coming and giving everything they had for an hour and a half or two hours of their day, even though they may not have felt like they're getting treated the right way from, from a playing time standpoint. I hope they always felt like they were treated the right way from a personal standpoint. You know, I mean, when we have team dinners, it's everybody, it's not just the five starters. When we go on a, we, every year we go to central Michigan and we spend a night at the hotel and watch them play and, you know, it's not just I'm going to take four or five guys. I'm taking the whole team like we're we're all a part of this. And I taught, you know, when we've had success and not just myself, but all the coaches, we we always reiterate that if it wasn't for all 13 of us, if only the five best showed up or the seven kids that play all the time show up, we wouldn't be able to play five on five basketball. We wouldn't understand concepts and rotations and defensive and offensive continuity. So um, and. It quite honestly, I think it's easier to do when you have success. It, it's it, it's easier to question a coach when you're six and fourteen and you're not playing a lot and thinking, "Hey, why ain't I playing more, man?" Coach says I don't do this or whatever, but the guy in front of me isn't doing it. You know, when we have success and we're winning, then they can buy into the fact that, okay, maybe he's right. Maybe I maybe that kid is a little bit better or whatever. You're still going to have kids that may not one hundred percent believe in their role but I don't think we've had any kids in the last three or four years that didn't come every day and give us an honest honest effort and and when you're talking to them whether they're upset or happy or whatever there's eye contact and just things of that nature just let them know that we're we're in it together and last year there was a kid that wasn't driving he didn't have a driver's license or he may have but he didn't have a car and he was sitting in the hall one day um, when we came to, when I came to practice and I talked to him a little bit and the next day he was sitting in the hall again and we talked briefly before practice. And I, the first thing I said, when we started practice is, okay, somebody's going to take him with them tomorrow after school to your house. You're going to play video games. You're going to go out to McDonald's. You're going to do something. You're going to, you're going to make him feel like he's a part of this. If we're a family, if we talk about this, why is one kid sitting in the hallway for an hour and a half waiting for practice the next day? If we truly want to be a family and build relationships and build memories and, and value each other's trust and opinions and honesty or whatever, then we got to make it where we're, we're all buying into that. So somebody needs to get them in their car tomorrow and make them feel like he's a part of this basketball team. Mm-hmm. So well, I didn't mm-hmm. see him sitting in the hall for, <laughs> you know, for a while thereafter. So, uh, you know, and that's on them and it yeah. was a different kid. And there's, there's a couple of times he went with different kids, but I think he felt like, Hey, you know what? He was a kid that didn't play a lot, but he felt like, Hey, you know what coach kind of looked out for me and you know, it is kind of boring sitting in here waiting for practice. And now I got somebody to hang out with. And hopefully because of that, he was able to build a couple more relationships than what he would have done had he not went with them. 
Well, a bunch of great examples, you know, in that series, as far as, you know, being on the same page, accountability, and you mentioned your coaching staff, obviously being on the same page, touching base, making sure uh, that things are aligned so that when you do talk to your players about certain roles or minutes, or whatever that might be, they're hearing the same thing from the entire staff instead of just the head coach. Uh, that goes a really, really long way in being upfront and honest early, especially as we get into the preseason, we start practice very soon for our listeners. And that is huge. You don't want to have to backpedal this. You don't want to come in real soft and kind of, you know, get, Hey, it's all okay. And then you get a month down the road, right? You have a bad start. You say, Oh, we gotta, we gotta write the ship now. No, you get, you gotta do it from the jump, right? It's, it's like, if you and I go out to dinner, you got a bunch of uh, food all over your teeth, right? And I don't tell you until dessert. And now you're pissed. You're like, dude, what? <laughs> we've been sitting here for an hour. You didn't, you didn't say anything. I was like, ah, well, you know, I just, I've been thinking about it for a while, but now I think it's a good time to tell you, you got a bunch of food in your mouth and your teeth. That's like waiting a month down the road in the season. And they'd be like, oh, hey guys, actually, that's not how we do things here, right? We show up 15 minutes early. Somebody needs to ride home. We do it, blah, 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 blah. And you go down the list of culture, values, how you carry yourself, what's pioneering your basketball. You got to do that from the jump. Honesty, care factor, and you save yourself a, a lot of time hurt, right? Because you've done those things from the beginning. So I think that that is huge. The other thing that makes you guys really, really good is defense. Defense travels. You may not hit your shots every game. You may, you know, turn the basketball over a little more than you like certain games, but defense travels. And that's one of the reasons you've won nearly all your games the last two years, which is, which is um, crazy as it sounds, but defense travels. Tell us a little bit about the defensive concepts that you try to implement early in the season. Well, we, we, I think the biggest, the biggest part of defense is, you you gotta you gotta trust in it. You gotta believe in what we're preaching. You gotta communicate. You gotta have great communication amongst each other, and you have to play with great energy. If you're gonna if you're gonna pick people up full court, and you're not passionate about it, if you're like, man, coach, got us playing full court defense, and I'm not good enough, or Jimmy Joe isn't bought in, or whatever, you gotta hold kids gotta hold each other accountable. I talk about it. You know, I may have mentioned it with you, but I talk about it all the time at practice. I'm like, you know what? You're going to get out of here. Some of you are going to be hungry. And when you go to McDonald's, I always say there's five steps in, in ordering McDonald's. You're going to go to the drive-thru. You're going to place an order. You're going to go to the window. You're going to pay somebody. So that's the second person. The third person you're going to get to the door. She's, I mean, at the second window, she's going to greet you. The fourth person is going to grab your food from you know where it was and then the fifth person is the person that made it right so um if all five people are communicating and on the same page you're gonna you know you're gonna drive five or ten minutes home and you're gonna be eager to jump into that fish fillet sandwich or mcdouble or whatever and you know you get home and it's not a mcdouble it's a it's a quarter pounder with you know lettuce and tomatoes and onions and pickles and you ordered it plain, you know, and you're going to be upset. Well, that's what it's like in playing defense. 
if you got one guy that's continuing not doing his job or one guy that doesn't do what he's asked to do, we're probably not going to be as successful as what we should be. You know, if the guy that's supposed to be coming with a double or a trap, um, if he, if he comes late, then we're not going to be very successful. If the guy that's supposed to be on the ball allows a right-handed dribbler that can't use his left hand to go left, to go right. Now it's five on four or four on three or three on two. Um, in those scenarios, regardless how good you are defensively, you're going to have breakdowns. You're going to have moments where offensive guys are going to be successful. So I think it's all about doing what you're asked of. You know, if you're on the strong side and transition, you better know that you can't give up that, that, you know, long week ahead pass. If you're a guy protecting the rim, you shouldn't be giving up layups. If you're on the backside and you got to play two on one, you got to understand the scouting report a little bit. What, what's their tendencies? Are they going to push up the right side? They're going to push up the left side. Do they want to go from right to left? Do they want to have ball reversals? If a kid that's averaging 0.8 points is catching it in the top slot and I'm playing two on the one on the backside and my fifth guy hasn't recovered back yet or whatever, or we don't have the corner covered. Am I going to jump to the guy that scored six points in seven games, or am I going to stay connected to the guy that's scored 18 points a game? Like, it, you know, that's a, that's a situation where you might have to stunt and recover, or you might just say, you know what, I'm not going to guard you. And if he's at the slot and the guy's on the bottom wing, Who's easier for the guy, the trail guy to guard? Probably the slot because it's, it, he doesn't have to run as far. Quick interruption. As we dig into these podcast interviews over this coming month, Coach Campbell on this specific episode, these are coachesedge.coach members. We're highlighting them. We're highlighting them this month for a couple different reasons. But one of those is because we encourage new members, new potential members to join coachesedge.coach before basketball season begins. It's a heck of a lot easier for us to get new members combined with our current members. We can hit the ground running together with practice planning, with how we're heading into the season and try to work with the coaches inside our membership throughout the course of the season, the preseason, the regular season, the postseason compared to if you're interested in coachesedge.coach, but it's mid-January and you're over halfway through the season, you say, hey, you know, maybe I should sign up for this membership and, you know, those things could help me out. Yeah, they could help you out. We could help you out a lot more if we hit the ground running before basketball season begins. And that also allows myself and our other coachesedge.coach contributors to better serve our coaches who are in our membership throughout the course of the season. So if you have questions about that, Contact at KramerBasketball.com. You can go to CoachesEdge.coach to learn more. Let's get back to Coach Campbell's episode. But if that's a really gifted player, then okay, as much as everybody talks about the corner three, now we got to give up the corner three to a kid that isn't as skilled, and we got to jump, and we got to get up to that. You know, so I think it's just tendencies and understanding, uh, you know, who can beat us, who can't. You know, how are we going to close out on certain guys? How are we going to defend certain guys in the perimeter? You know, I mean, if you're 180 pounds and you're guarding a guy 220, are you going to be overly physical with them? No, probably not, because it might just kind of upset them and be like, OK, I'm going to really get into you get, you know, but if, you know, we still want to be physical, but you got to understand your matchups. You know, we're going to bump and chest guys, but, um, we're, you know, sometimes being physical with a phys physically dominant kid, sometimes that that sets them off and now maybe you get the best out of them but other times you know some kids don't want to be physical and we got to know what ones are going to 
are going to accept it and one, what ones are going to run away from it. But um, there's a, there's, I, I think the ultimate thing, the three things you got to play with great energy and you got to two things. Most importantly, you got to play with great energy and you got to communicate. And then lastly, I would think out of those three is, or maybe even first one of the three, you got to believe in what we're doing. You know, it, if, if you don't believe in what you're doing, if I go to work and, you know, I don't value or, or believe in the, the job I'm doing at work or whatever, I'm probably not going to be very successful. I'm not going to be eager to go there. You know, if I'm getting told by, it, there's a story about Mark Cuban and when he, when he first, you know, got involved with what he was involved in and he kept preaching to people, Hey, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're eventually going to be on the New York stock exchange and you're going to be a millionaire if you just buy into it. Well, a lot of people were working for pennies and nickels and dimes and they weren't getting much out of it. And they're like, man, this guy's just feeding me a line of BS. But eventually those people that stuck with them, they get, they, they went on the stock market and everybody that was employed with them became a multimillionaire, you know? So um, if you believe in it, you trust in it and, and it's having success, then, Hey, we can build off of it. And if we're not having success, it's not just on you. I mean, it's gotta be majority of that, that has to be on me. Hey, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. we just beating our head against the wall. It's not going to crumble. It's not going to crack. We need to adjust. We need to put our kids in different situations. Well, so. that's a great point that you mentioned right there is one. Let's, let's do quick, a quick review, communication, energy, believing in the system, three yeah. keys to defense, five steps to defense and McDonald's, how that comes into play. You got your order, you pay, somebody's making the food, somebody's grabbing the food, and then you got the greeter slash the person who's, who's handing it to you. Five keys to your McDonald's order, five players on the defensive end. They all need to be working in sync together to pull off the defensive stop, the turnover, or in this case, a delicious meal on the drive home. All right. So, so that's, I mean, I love how that goes together as well. And then the last thing that you mentioned that I loved is if your kids buy into the system, playing with energy and communication, this is the last thing you said, and things aren't going well, that's not on them, right? That's on the coaching staff. And so right. to, to communicate that to the kids and to be like, these are the three things that we're asking from you, right? Is that you're communicating at a high level. We talked, you've talked about that. I was going to ask you about rotations and some things like that, but then you went on a, a tangent and said, you know, strong side, weak side, you know, wing, corner, seam, and all those. So I don't even have, I'm not even going to ask about that. Okay. So if the kids understand and believe in the system, if they're playing with energy and they're communicating at a high level, they're off the hook in a sense, as far as the result. It's up to the coaches. Correct to tweak the system if they're bought in in all those areas to put the kids in a position to succeed because the coaches don't want to fail. The coaches don't want to give up buckets. The kids certainly don't want to give up buckets, but if those five players on the defensive end right, and you got your bench guys helping them out, they're ready to come in when their, their numbers being called and they believe in that system and carrying that out to the best of their ability, what a freeing feeling that can be. 
because now you're not so much looking over your shoulder or you, or I should say, looking over to the sideline and say, Oh, what is, is coach mad at me? Did coach, you know, put his hand over his head and his coach, you know, upset at whatever action I just did. If I can nail down those three different keys within my defensive system, now I can play almost with a little more freedom within that structure, that framework, knowing that if things don't go well, it's up to the coaches to say, Hey, you know, maybe we need to go more into our secondary defense, this specific game, or maybe, you know, we need to tweak some things with our practice plan, spend more time on, you know, maybe we're picking up three quarter court, you know what, with this specific team, we're going to pick up at half court, you know, whatever that might be. So I think there's some great tidbits uh, right there. When you think of your defense, is there like a mindset or something that you want to instill within your players as far as how they carry themselves and what they want to impose on the other team? We want to, we want, we want to impose pressure. We want to really be physical. We want to really hound the basketball and we want to push people away from the basketball as far as possible in the half court. And in transition, we don't want to get people. We don't want to give ball handler decision maker the freedom to do what they want until they get in a position where they feel comfortable. Like we really want to impose our will on them and we want to take away all confidence. Uh, we don't want them to, that, that have any confidence, you know, if you get an average shooter making good decisions or making shots and an average rim runner making layups and scoring six or eight points, now they have confidence and what's it going to do? It's going to feed into everybody now, but you know, if we get four or five turnovers in the first quarter, what are kids going to be starting to do? They're going to be starting to look at each other and think, man, I don't want the ball here. You Johnny, you come take it. You know? So I think you got to impose your will. You got to really, um, let them know that that we're in it for 32 minutes. We're not going to let off the gas pedal and we're going to go. And um, we're going to be physical. When you cut, we're going to bump you. We're going to chest you. We're going we're gonna to understand tendencies. And when you're a shooter, we're going to do our best to not let you get, get off any open looks. And when you're a slasher, we're going to do everything we can to have a secondary guy waiting for you, you know, and put a bump in the road. It's like you're going down the highway and, you know, and here in Michigan, we got some crummy roads and, you know, you're, you're not paying attention and you hit a, you hit a pothole or something. That's kind of what we want you to be as a dribbler, as a ball handler, as a, as a slasher, as a rim guy that's scoring at the rim. We want you to think, Hey, you know what? There might be a pothole wait for me. Um, you know, and it, it, I think with anything, you want to take away what everybody else does well, but you also don't want them to have any freedom. You don't want to give them any time to think, okay, I got four or five seconds now. No one's guarding me. They're not pressuring me as much. Now I can make a, a, a more comfortable decision. I can, I can feel more at ease because there's not somebody hounding me. Um, so I hope I answer your question. I got, I think if I was on the spectrum of ADHD, it would probably be like <laughs> above the, the, the hundred percentile. So I know sometimes I get on a tangent and I, I get talking and forget sometimes what you'd ask, but I, I hope mean, that answer what you were asking. No, I mean, you, you talked about the pressure, the physicality, um, being able to take kids out of their comfort zone was one of the, the main things that, that I got out of that is because, you know, speaking firsthand from watching you guys play, I mean, you guys do a great job of making that primary ball handler feel uncomfortable. And what happens if your primary ball handler feels uncomfortable? Well, he's giving it up to somebody who's your secondary ball handler life just got a heck of a lot easier for the entire team because 
you played a large role in taking the primary ball handler out of the game, or at least not handling quite as much. Then you go down the list, right? You talked about the personnel aspects of the game. This kid, a shooter, this kid, a driver. So even though you have these common characteristics of what's pioneer basketball on the defensive side of the ball, you also understand your scouting report, strengths and weaknesses of the opponent, and you play them to those specific things. And you talked about, you know, you want those kids to basically think I'm going to hit a pothole. And that, that's why everybody in Michigan drives trucks. There's so many people in Michigan drive trucks, not because they need the extra room in the back, right? It's because you need to handle the roads and then the potholes because the roads are so terrible. Um, so last thing you want to mention, coach, offensive spacing, sharing the ball. We've talked a handful of times, uh, really over the past couple of years now of, you know, four out, one in, spacing, sharing the basketball. As you dig into the preseason, you got a few weeks before the first game starts. What are some of the base skills that you try to emphasize with your players as far as getting the structure down with their spacing and moving the ball? Uh, it, a lot of it's just simply read and react. You know, how are you going to react to something somebody does? If, if, you're, if you're getting a pin down, and your guy goes under the screen, are you going to curl it? Of course not. You're going to pop, right? If if you're getting a pin down and both guys go to you because you're extremely gifted and that guy curls it, what's your job as a screener? You got to fill that up. You got to fill that top spot or the corner or wherever. You got to get a space properly. If you know, if you believe in your teammates and value and trust them on offense that you can pass it to anybody, we're going to be incredibly tough to beat. I think. You know, everybody talks about Hunter Soper and Tyler Johnson, Jake Townsend, and Sage Schlanick and Trey and, and Zach and Donovan and kids that have scored well for us in the last, um, you know, three years. But Jake Knoll had a multiple had multiple games where he scored in double figures on our team three years ago that went 20 and one. Isaac Espinosa, a kid that, you know, was a senior captain. He accepted being a kid that come off the bench. But kids knew. Like he understood like, Hey, I'm going to come off the bench, but I'm going to still going to get shots. I'm going to have the, uh, if I understand how to space and, and play off those two or three good skilled basketball players, I'm going to get open looks. And, you know, other kids is Nolan Duran had double figure games, Joey Noel, um, Carson Bowling had games where he scored well. Um, so I think it's just a belief and trust that understanding, Hey, if we, if we're playing two on one and we have 18 to 20 feet between us, I might get an open look, but if we're playing two on one on the backside and I have six feet in between us and that guy isn't an extremely talented defender, but you know, I can probably guard two guys mm -hmm. within six feet and I'm, I'm old out of shape. Um, you know, not very, very fluent physically, but if you space me and make me make a decision now, Hey, you know what? I trust that you're going to get it. If you run to the deep corner and don't get it four times in a row and you continue to run to that deep corner and the fifth time you end up getting it, then, Hey, you know what? Coach is right. You know, if you're, if you're on the backside and you may not get the ball, but then if we watch film the next day or you watch film and you're like, you know why Zach or Trey or Mitch or, or whoever got an open look for us this year, it's because I, I occupied the backside. Mm -hmm. I did what I was supposed to do. But if I wouldn't have ran there, then yeah. that guy wouldn't have been worried about me. And he would have been more glued to one of those great shooters. Mm -hmm. And value 
everybody touching the ball, moving it side to side. We got some kids that aren't great basketball um, offensive players. We're still going to have them touch the ball. And, you know, how can we ask them to go down and play great defense if they're never going to touch the rock? Are we going to put limitations on what they do? Hey, you know what? You may not be a three-point shooter. You might not be a kid that – but there's going to be times if you sprint the floor, we're going to throw it ahead to you, and you may not get a shot, but you're going to get a shot for somebody else because right. somebody may jump to you. Um, so I think I think just understanding philosophies, uh, if we get a paint, paint touch, how are we going to work off of this? You know, if, if I get a dribble drive to the middle from the left slot and I'm on the right wing – in the right baseline, how am I going to work off of this? Am I going to, you know, if the guys really connect it, do I really need to set a flare screen? No, probably not. But I may, may screen my own guy because the guy that's helping is already dialed in to helping. But, you know, understanding, okay, if I get a dribble drive, my guy comes over to help early, maybe I slide slide up and it's a, and it's a top side three. If he helps late, then I slide away make it a sh longer distance for them or understanding like, Hey, I'm getting overplayed like three or four straight times. I got a back cut mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, in every time we run a dribble handoff, uh, they're doubling it. So am I going to continue to roll right into a, a tough decision for the guy that's getting doubled off the dribble handoff, my ball handler, or am I just going to pop? If I get, if I pop it, even if I'm not a great offensive player, now I'm playing four on three. I get it to the guy right. that can make a play. But if I continue to roll in the where the defense is already taken it away, you know, just just getting them to buy into concepts, continuity, and it's it, there's a lot of communication in, in basketball and offense too. Sure. People don't understand that, but you know, if we got three guys on one side, we're not running the four out one in offense. We're running uh, five on five YMCA basketball offense. <laughs> not yeah. going to be successful. Well, you mentioned the spacing aspect, you know, Chuck Daly has that famous quote, you know, offensive spacing and spacing is offense. And I just think that how many coaches are explaining to their kids, Hey, the reason, you know, our best player got a wide open screen into a catch and shoot three at the seam was because you were in the deep corner. And you didn't slide up to the wing. So now that player could have easily stepped up and, and helped or contested or, or switched off of it. The fact that with your guys, you're explaining the spacing to the point that if this kid didn't get the ball, you're like, yeah, but you're the reason that we scored on that possession simply because of the space that you went to the corner, whatever it might be playing deep and wide how we were able to stretch the floor. You occupied a defensive player. That's what actually allowed us to get uh, a slip to the basket for a layup, a flash from the weak side post to the strong side post. And, and we hit him for, for an easy look is because you were in one of those spots. I think that that's something that can be easily overlooked as coaches, but boy, once kids really understand their value simply by the spots and the locations that they're at on the court, man, I just really think that that's more fun to play. The kids, as you mentioned, the importance of buying into it and the feeling of value of like, I made an impact on that possession because it's so easy to just see the stats at the end of the game. Oh, I had two points. This kid had 20 points. Well, actually I played a big role 
even if I didn't pass on the ball to him scoring 20 points because of how we're running our offense, I think, I think that's huge. Are there any progressions? Are there any, you know, two on O, three on O, four on O, five, you know, any types of drills that you'd like to do to just kind of get your guys used to the style of play that you have? We, we, we do a lot of one-on-one to two-on-two to three-on-three, four-on-four to five-on-five. Mm. Sometimes we, we do a lot of disadvantage advantage. I think mm-hmm. that helps defensively with communication. And then it also helps offensively. Like, hey, if we're doing a five-on-five and we got our trail guy coming, we should know where to go with the basketball. I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a guy that's going to be following on defense or playing five-on-four. If we can't score against a team that in practice – against somebody that already knows what we're doing, we're probably not going to score against a team that doesn't know what we're doing. Right. So, but if you get to, if you get wide, if you space, if you rim run and you make one guy guard two people, ultimately, if we get it into one of those two guys hands, then more than likely we're going to have success in ball rotations. And tonight we had a three man workout and we, and we worked on all of our counters in our four out offense. We, you know, where we're pushing it down the side, we're throwing it ahead, hitting a three. Then, then our second one was we're pushing it down the side. They got one guy on the ball side. We throw it there, and then we're we're hitting the guy that that's pushing it right back in the slot. He's hitting it. He's hitting it, walking into a jumper. Then the third one is we're going to set a ball screen away, and we're curling off of it, or or the guy, you know, he's trailing. The next one is the guy goes under. Now we're going to pop and we're going to shoot it. Um, the last one of them is we curl and he, and it's somebody that's really skilled on offense. So what are they going to probably more than likely do? Both are going to jump to him. So now what's that guy that set the screen, the, the, the away screen or cross screen. Now his job is just fill that top spot and more than likely he's hitting an open three and it's footwork and understanding, like you can't turn and turn your back and then turn to it. You got to have vision of the basketball and understand footwork and, you know, and then we're talking about, okay, if we get it on the right side um, tonight, we attack to the middle and what, what, what's our job. If we attack to the middle more than, you know, I think that's where those flare opportunities come um, or a back cut. Uh, one thing that I have to do a much better job of there's multiple things, but on offense is teaching kids to cut hard and understanding you, you don't always cut to score, but you cut to occupy somebody that maybe allows that next guy to score. But if you don't cut hard, you know, it's like, it's like running a route in, in football and you're playing against a really good well-coached team and against a good corner and you're a great right receiver. And when you, when you come off the line and you're running hard and you're, 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 you're doing a little joke move or you're on a slant or a little curl and you're coming off hard What's that corner or what's that defensive coach going to say, Hey, you know what? He's going to be involved. But if you, if you kind of lollygag off the line and say, oh, okay, I'm not going to get the touch this time, you know, it's going opposite or we're going to run it. And you don't go off with, with full speed and you're kind of going half speed. What's, what's that corner going to eventually do? He's going to be like, I mean, this guy isn't, he, he isn't going to be involved. I'm going to leak and I'm going to get in there and make a, make a play on the tight end or get in there and get in the backfield and hit the running back. Same thing with basketball. Like if you don't, if you don't cut hard, you're probably not going to get it. And if you don't cut hard, you're not going to occupy another defender. If you just go half speed, it, it's not going to benefit any anybody. Mm-hmm. So that's one that, that I really need to work on as a, as a coach is 
watching our kids cut and watching how they cut. One kid I'm going to talk about real briefly is Zach Crutch. He cuts great. He cuts to score the basketball. Zach likes scoring. He understands, hey, if I cut hard, I'm going to get, I'm going to get opportunities. He's a fast cutter. And I think that he knows when he cuts hard, hey, man, I might get two or four. I might see my 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 stats on Twitter. I might see him in the Times Herald or whatever, I, you know. Girls are going to start looking at me in school and stuff like that if I get 20, you know. So so I, I think, uh, you know, I hope I pointed that out a couple of times to Zach last year about how well he caught it and how, how aggressive he was. And a lot of times, even if he didn't get a bucket, it, it occupied maybe a guy on the opposite side and allowed somebody else to maybe get off a shot because of that. You mentioned a couple of things, skill development translating into your game structure. And so... I think it's so easy for us to say, hey, preseason, these um, individual or small player workouts before the season starts that we can do as coaches, we're working on our skills, we're working on our game, but to be able to look at the things that we need to perform from a skill development standpoint and then translate them into how, where, when we're actually going to be getting the ball in those certain situations or cutting and screening and passing in those certain locations out on the court and then making sure that is some of the framework for our skill development and our repetitions there is huge, huge, huge. And then explaining the why. You know, I talked about, uh, I think I did a previous podcast. One of my biggest pet peeves with coaches was the, the vague coaching that we can get caught up in doing push it, go hard, work harder, run faster. And what I love is that you're explaining the why. You talked about cutting. And it would be very easy to keep it surface level as a coach and say, hey, we got to cut harder. We got to cut harder. Was the kid really know what cutting hard means? Do they really understand the purpose? Why does coach just wants me to cut hard? What's the point? One, as you mentioned, you could score off that. But two, just by cutting hard, you're creating, you're, you're drawing attention, you're creating new space within the court, you're creating you know, a double or a triple driving gap, all those different things because of that hard cut, you explain the why, right? We're being more specific with the word usage that we have with our players and now the light bulb goes on. Okay, got it. That's why I need to cut hard, not just because coach is trying to be you know, tough on me and make me you know, feel like I'm not working hard in the game. Big difference need to make sure that we're explaining those things to our players. Tons of great nuggets in this episode with you, coach. We keep talking for a while. You joined coach, Coach's Edge when we kicked this off two years ago. We had our first year with Coach's in a very short uh, COVID season. We spent the most of that season doing Zoom meetings, talking about, hey, we're going to have a season with some things we can work on. Last year was our first uh, full regular season with Coach's Edge. Coach, and we're hitting the second full season with Coach's Edge. You know, why did you join Coach's Edge, uh, the membership, and you know, what would you say to anybody who's thinking about jumping in this season? Well, first off, I joined because uh, you're a recognizable name. You've you've done a lot in the state of Michigan uh, with with different instructional stuff and camps, and I've heard nothing but great things about you. And I thought that you could. You could make me a better coach. You could make our team a better program. And and uh, um, I watched you as a player, as as we talked about earlier. Uh, I was an assistant for Coach Roberts, and 
we went to USA, I think one of my first years and you guys, you know, I think you were the best player that we had coached, coached against in a long time. And I just thought you had a great understanding. I read your story about how, you know, went to hope and had four successful years. And then you went professionally and a lot of kids from our area don't play professional sports and certainly not basketball. Um, so I just thought that it would be, you'd offer myself opportunities to get better. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm never going to tell anybody I'm a great at what I do. And I'm never going to tell anybody that I can't get better. Um, if I want our kids to get better, I need to get better. And, and learning from you and learning from Coach Tro and AJ, those, those are kind of guys that were on early and they do a lot of stuff on your podcast and in your, in your breakdowns and, 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 you know, your PDFs and videos. And, uh, every time I go to a meeting, I learn something new. Um, and I just appreciate the fact that, you know, you're, you, you've helped me. You've, you've watched game film from South Carolina. You gave me scouting reports. You know, I, you're not just a guy that talks to me on a podcast or a zoom meeting or sends me a text once in a while. You're, you're a guy that's bought into making Croslocks better and benefiting us. And, you know, you got a young family at home and I'm sure there's a lot of days that you'd, you'd much rather, you know, watch TV or just relax with your wife and watch a movie and enjoy each other's company. But you give me an hour and a half of your evening or your morning and break some stuff down. And it's great when you can have somebody that's more knowledgeable about basketball than what I am outside our program. Cause when we're, at, we're at practice, we're looking for the same things. We may not identify some of our weaknesses where you're, you're not glued into our practice plan. You're not glued into our game preparation. And you might point out some things that, that I might not have been, that might not have been recognizable to myself or some of the coaching staff or even some of the players. And uh, I think it, 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 I mean, who doesn't want to become a better basketball coach? Um, if you truly want to become better at what you do, then you're going to value and you're going to, you're going to, the time you have, and you're going to go on social media and you're going to look for different avenues, whether it's reading, watching, attending clinics, but that's what you offer. And I think that, that there's, there's nobody that's, I mean, the best coaches in the world still go to coaching clinics. The best coaches in the world still go learn from other people. And, you know, and it's not always, you don't always learn from basketball related minds, right? You might go talk with somebody that's a, that's done really well in life as, as, as a businessman or whatever. And how, how do you go about your day? What kind of devotion do you have towards your craft outside of work? You know, how much time do you spend at home? You know, how, how have you been successful and still had a family and been able to do, do both of them. But um, again, my ADHD kind of kicked in, but I value your time. I value our Zoom meetings. I value the information. And I think for any coach that wants to get better and, and learn different facets of the game, I think this month you're going to do, you know, you, you, we had an offensive uh, Zoom and then we had a defensive Zoom and then you're going to do a zone one and then you're going to do Coach Tro's zone stuff and then you're going to break things down. And AJ, I'm sure, will be on here soon and he's a national champion head coach and Shout out to AJ, AJ for winning coach of the year and in golf. It's like, I think that guy could go probably coach croquet and probably be successful at it. Obviously he's good at adapting and mm -hmm. building relationships and getting kids to buy into what he preaches. 
So um, you offer that same stuff and not only you, but uh, everybody in, in, in the zoom calls, you know, mm -hmm. when, when they talk, I listen and there's a lot of things I pick up and, and I value that time and I could be spending it with my kids or my wife. And they think, I think they understand, Hey, you know what, this is his time to, to learn and grow as a coach. And, and I think I have certainly, and I still got a lot of room for growth, but you've offered a lot of it. And uh, some of the guys in the podcast and, and some of the guys in the zoom meetings and, Everybody wants, I would hope everybody wants to be more successful at right. what they do. Um, you know, I'm a barber. I'm not a highly educated guy, but you know what? I'm, I, I want to be successful at, at how to cut hair and I got to look at videos and I got to adapt. Uh, right now, kids are growing their hair longer. You know, I got to, I got to learn how to do that. And I, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and if you don't adapt and adjust, then, then eventually I'll be unemployed and won't be coaching the game I love. And, won't be connected to kids that I enjoy being around and, and following their paths and what they're, they're all about. And so, uh, uh, regardless if I coach basketball at Croslex or, or not, I'm still going to be an active member of this group. And I think it, it, it's just good listening to different philosophies and strategies and, and ideas. And, and you can pick up stuff about basketball, but more so you can pick up about, life in general and learn how mm. to become a better leader and role mm. model. And, and if I value all that stuff, then I got to learn how to, how to be better at those aspects of life as well. Sure. Well, I appreciate you um, taking the time and saying all those things. And, you know, that's the mindset that I have. And I think our, our coaches, all of our coaches edge members have is uh, the humility of, I don't think any of us believe we're the best at anything, but we all also have the belief that, we can help somebody else get better. Right. And that's my mindset as well Is by no means do I think that I'm a better coach than any of our coaches edge members, but I 100% believe that I can help somebody become a better coach. Just like I know that they can help me become a better coach and that I can learn from them. And that's the common characteristic and mindset that we all have. Uh, so this was great coach. You're actually speaking at one of our upcoming coaches clinics on, um, a uh, little defensive topic as well that um, I can't wait to dig into. And who knows, maybe we'll do some review down the road um, as you share some of your expertise on the defensive end, which I'm excited to hear about um, at one of our Michigan coaching clinics as well. Uh, for any of our listeners, thanks for listening. If you have any questions about Coach's Edge, you want to jump in on any of our meetings um, as Coach Campbell rattled off a handful of the really cool things that we have going on with our Zoom calls, uh, feel free to reach out to Coach Campbell, to myself. Uh, you can find us both on Twitter. I'll put his contact link in the description below if you have any uh, questions for him. Croslex Basketball is a great follow online as well. And if there's anything we can do for you, let me know. Coach, thanks for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. I appreciate you, the invite, and always enjoy talking basketball with you and hopefully getting some people that didn't know about Croslex Basketball aware of hopefully how we do things. And I enjoy talking about the kids that I coached in the past and I truly care about them. And I hope they know that. And, uh, um, I echoed that tonight. And I think that's, that's a main part of our job is to prepare them for life and let them know that, you know, after basketball, there's still a lot of ventures that will happen and hopefully they'll allow me and other our coaches to be a part of their, their upcoming endeavors. No, that passion definitely, definitely shines through. So we appreciate you taking the time to our listeners. Thank you for listening. As always, get after today.